Hi, I'm Geeta Nandikotkur, Managing Editor for Asia and Middle East with Information Security Media Group. I caught up with Mark Berry, Chief Technology Officer, Asia Pacific at Ping Identity, to discuss how the cloud identity and access management is evolving in preventing breaches. Mark discusses various scenarios in which cloud IAM is being deployed and helping build new authentication mechanism. Thanks for joining the conversation today, Mark. Thank you, Kita. It's great to be here and hello to your listeners. Mark, in what scenarios do you think will cloud identity and access management is being deployed? Can you explain the scenarios? Yes, certainly. Look, there are generally three major scenarios where cloud identity and access management is being deployed at the moment by our customers. I think the first one is, and this is generally the one that is getting most traction at the moment, it's where large organisations are wanting to manage identities in a much easier fashion, a more cost-effective fashion. And they're generally people, employees or contractors, itinerant workers, business partners, third-party brokers or agents, those people who are not necessarily full-time employees with the company. And Cloud IAM can provide a fast and secure means to manage the onboarding and managing the life cycle of those identities in a much easier way than traditional on-premise identity management systems can. And you know, across that, you still got the same ability to integrate into applications via SAML or OpenID Connect and provide access to the applications through single sign-on that are needed. The second way is generally around organizations who need to store customer identity or associated data. And this has been traditionally from startups or or new enterprises inside companies, innovation hubs and so on. But even now, large organizations are starting to move customer identities to the cloud. There are a number of reasons for that. Uh, Generally, Cloud IAM is much more modern architecture. It allows for RESTful APIs to access the identity data, um, to manage different types of data from your traditional relational databases or your LDAP hierarchical stores using, say, JSON attributes, which are used by developers, and you can hook into microservices and mobile apps much easier that way. You're able to do a whole lot more with relationships around different customer-to-customer or customer-to-business or customer-to-product relationships. You can store device data and, and other data which changes rapidly. It gives you a lot of different options that may not be available in traditional systems. Uh, and again, you know, Cloud IAM does generally provide the full scope of multi-factor authentication, account recovery for forgotten passwords or forgotten account scenarios and so on. The third way is really around where people wanting to limit their on-premise footprint. Uh, where that's allowed by regulation and security risk compliance requirements. So we see this with, say, some major banks in Australia now where they have a mandate to move workloads into the cloud, but they still need to integrate back into on-premise systems for regulatory compliance. And that enables them to put a certain amount of the identity stack in the cloud, say the access management components, because it's a reverse proxy mechanism, and even the identity federation components. So they're not necessarily storing customer identities in the cloud in that case, or employee identities, but they're enabling the access into applications and services through a much more agile capability out of the cloud that they manage themselves. So I think the main thing about all of those is you can outsource your services to third-party vendors and, and services in the cloud, 
but you can't outsource the risk to the business. And that's something that every business has to weigh up to make sure that they're following the, the right compliance for their company. So interestingly, you mentioned uh, that Cloud IAM can provide a fast and secure means to manage onboarding and ongoing lifecycle management of identity. So what does it mean to the practitioner? Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, traditionally in identity management, we've had you know very heavyweight identity management platform, which has a workflow engine and a, a very large and growing database and all sorts of capabilities to check uh, who has access to what and so on. That doesn't go away. Often that's still required, especially for employee scenarios. But if you're looking at a consumer identity platform, what you need to be able to do is register a user in a way that creates the least amount of friction for that that customer that consumer so they can go ahead and then use the service and you know hopefully sign up to spend money with that service as quickly as possible so for the the practitioner who's deciding what capabilities to use there you have to look at all the security elements obviously you're storing customer data usernames passwords device data and you know other personal information so it has to be secured properly but often the, the major security risks are around account recovery. So if I can trick a service into allowing me to reset a password and for someone else, then I get control of that account, which means that you have to be very careful about looking at what capabilities there are to identify a user and then enable them to do password resets or to recover an account that's been forgotten about. And you know, like I mentioned before, around that you've got the ability generally to have some form of multi-factor authentication, whether it be one-time passcode over SMS or via an email link or what have you. But increasingly, companies are moving towards device-based MFA using push notifications and technologies such as FIDO, which allow for much more secure capabilities. And again, you know, it really comes down to not only what what's easy for developers to get something up and running, but also what meets the security requirements of the service because the last thing anybody wants is to be finding out they've been breached and then their tens of thousands or millions of customers find out their personal information has been stolen. There's, there's a trade-off between getting things done quickly and getting them done securely, and that's what Cloud IAM tries to bring. So do you think that Cloud IAM needs to be considered as a fully integrated component of the enterprise security landscape to provide that kind of business value that or prevent breaches? So what's your opinion? Yes, it's a good question. I, I really think that in a lot of cases, companies just want to get things done. They've got timelines to meet. Their, their executives have said that they need something in market as quickly as possible. It's often the way that works that people just stand up something very quickly and what starts out as a proof of concept goes into production and then that has to be managed and, and maintained and that's what creates technology silos in an organisation. It might be fine if you're just setting up one application but if you have then say for um, employees who need to manage things for consumers, say um, call centre people need to manage um, accounts, then you have to allow for your employee identity system to be able to access that application. There are examples where people have taken on new organisations or joint ventures and they have to bring in third party identities to be able to manage or continue to develop the service and that gets very difficult if the service has just been written in isolation. So generally with most companies of a certain size, you have to be thinking about 
how does this work in terms of my overall identity strategy? And that generally means that the service that you pick in the cloud needs to be able to support modern federation protocols like OpenID Connect and SAML so that you can easily integrate with your existing identity management systems. Also, you have to look at what the impact of integration into existing applications is, whether that's data moving between systems. It might be actually having to get data feeds or, or real-time integration, mashups and so on through other systems. That can be difficult if an identity management system in the cloud has been chosen and it can't integrate easily. So it's really important that people look at this as part of an overall strategy and that you know, enterprise architecture comes into play here, not just getting something working for the sake of it. So what has been the big challenge for the practitioners, the CISOs, when they want to integrate this security within Cloud IAM, Mark? I think that one of the major misconceptions around Cloud IAM and, and Cloud services in general is that they're easy to implement. They're not necessarily easy. They are generally quicker than going through a procurement cycle for servers and on-premise capabilities and services. Um, the issue still is around IAM, that specialist skills are required. So there are vendors out there who will try and sell. This is a very, very easy project to take on. However, because it's often integration required and sometimes integration back into on-premise or legacy systems, there can be a number of different roadblocks that make it uh, considerably harder than what executives might think. And you know, this is something where a lot of people want customization of a service as well. And of course, the more you go for an off-the-shelf cloud service, generally the less customization capabilities you have available. So we're seeing a trend now where people are evaluating the ability to stand up their own identity software in cloud services like Azure and AWS and GCP and so on. And there are companies now that provide a managed service around these capabilities. And that gives customers the ability to consume it as a service, but still have a broad range of customization capabilities. That generally depends on the, the, the budget and the, the time people have to stand up a service. But if you start looking then again at that something as part of a providing business value over a long period and not just getting to production in three to six months, then that can certainly be a valuable way to go. So can you think of a use case in an enterprise which has built a cloud IAM strategy and what kind of solutions, how do they approach? Yes, there's one large customer in the United States uh, who use identity as a service uh, product which, and they have about 2 million customers. They're a large supermarket chain and they were going all cloud. They realized that what they had on premise was going to hold them back. Their developers were wanting to build new services, very much API driven microservices, a lot of mobile apps for their end customers so that the customers had a great customer experience while they're in the stores or ordering uh, outside the stores and they really wanted a cloud service that was going to give them the capabilities they needed but also in terms of security so that they weren't going to potentially be a danger of being breached. But something that was very modern in architecture, something that had full REST API coverage, had multi-factor authentication built in, enabled them to define different types of authentication flows depending on the risk of the transaction, for example. And you know that was something that they were able to buy off the shelf and then implement with their own people. 
So it's one example where it's not a highly regulated industry, so they can afford to store customer identity information in the cloud. And it makes a lot of sense in that case uh, where they have something that's buying off the shelf with a large number of capabilities that can be integrated via modern standards like OpenID Connect and REST. You mentioned about architecture, cloud IAM architecture. So what could be the ideal framework, IAM framework for an enterprise? It's difficult to make a judgment um, because of the, the different requirements around compliance and risk there. And I think most people will have a good understanding of what makes sense for their organisation. But I think one of the major things people have to remind themselves of is that the, the attackers, the bad guys, are looking for all the chinks in the armour, all the, the small holes that they can get through. So you really have to be very careful what you use um, to store identity data and, and what's involved in your authentication and, and authorization flows there. I think that there are various frameworks out in the market at the moment. I think people have to be really aware that it goes much beyond being able to authenticate and store data and so on. Um, they have to be looking at the security flows for account recovery, for password reset, um, allowing for multi-factor authentication as standard, not just as an optional extra or as a, um, a cost add-on. I think we as an industry have to push multi-factor authentication as being no longer optional. And then looking at what the, the impact on the, the processes of the organisation are as well, how you integrate that into your CICD pipelines, how you're able to push new capabilities and, and new updates to applications and data schemas and so on, such that it provides for 24 by 7 operation. And that's certainly something that the newer cloud capabilities provide for. But again, you have to evaluate that pretty carefully so that you're getting the best capabilities for your money. Well, what do you think practitioners need to pay attention to or need to understand when it comes to implementing cloud IAM? What kind of processes, what kind of essential steps that are required from a security team? I think when you're deciding on a platform like this, uh, obviously there's going to be a security review that happens. You'd want to see penetration test results. You'd want to see the various security standards being met. One of the big things that happens is uh, often there's a question around data sovereignty when you're storing data in the cloud. And this is something, again, which is very customer specific, depending on which industry they work in, for governments or for, for financial services or whatever, that can be a big no-no to store data outside of country. Other organisations are quite happy for their data to be stored off-site, off um, whether that be in the US or Europe or in Asia Pacific. So that's one thing that has to be looked at really carefully. What does the, the identity service in the cloud, where do they still store their data? And what are their processes for backups, for recovery? And what standards do they meet as an organization? Also, you need to look at what the support for developers is like, because that's often driving the deployment of these services. So you want something that's fully REST enabled, that supports OpenID Connect, that has your multi-factor authentication built into it, that has a lot of out-of-the-box capability, so you're not writing your own security code. And I think, you know, definitely there are things to be said about having the right skills in the organisation and trying to bring as much of that in-house as possible because often these services are very mission-critical. They have direct 
impact on the uptime of the organisation, whether that has a financial impact or a regulatory impact, and being able to have the right people in the organisation who understand how these services work is becoming more important. Thank you very much, Mark, for sharing your thoughts on how Cloud IAM is evolving and it is also helping customers preempt breaches. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. This is Geeta Nandikutkut from ISH.